trying to cross the border to the good old USA. Messing where you come from, boy, how long you gonna stay? I said, I'm from the Six Nations in the reserve, don't know when I'm coming back. He said, I'll have to see your Indian car. I said, why don't you tell me that? Where's your white man's car? To me, that you ain't black. Where's your white man's car? It's a beast, get off my back. I don't have no bow and arrow That don't mean I wanna tag I went uptown to the drugstore Just to buy a pair of shades The man behind the counter said that I'll be 1598 I said I don't have to pay no tax on that He said, oh, not one of you again I'll have to see your Indian car I said, why don't you tell me, friend Where's your white man's car To me, that you ain't black Where's your white man's car Just help me get off my back I don't have no boy and arrow But that don't mean I want to tie Come on! Hey, I'm John Keane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Sunday, special night, Sunday, August 18th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. Live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams at www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on our Facebook group pages via Facebook Live. Our shows are available as podcasts on your uh, favorite podcast platforms right after the show. And we take video um, from our uh, Facebook Live stream and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage you to su- subscribe both to our podcasts. And again, whatever platform you, you're you comfortable with or that you normally use. Uh, and I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And that way you'll catch not only videos of this show, the show that I do in New York, uh, as well as some of our short-form videos that we do. So um, I encourage you to, uh, to again, uh, sign up for it. That way you'll get notifications. I had a couple of people get a hold of me uh, uh, from my New York show saying they, they weren't sure how to find my show. So um, that's the best way to do it. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, um, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, upheld the the right for North Dakota to strip uh, voting rights away from Native people, and and it's in a very kind of specific circumstance, but it's uh, it's it's definitely worth noting. And they say that it's uh, that it only affects about ten percent of the population, the Native population. But but here's what it's about. What they're saying is that if you can't put a physical address 
on your voter registration form. If you don't let the state of North Dakota anyway, and I don't know what, how many other states have this requirement, but I know when you fill out a voter registration form, you have to put your address. North Dakota is saying if it's not a physical address, a physical residential address, then, then um, we're going to reject your voter registration form. So in other words, if you don't have a house number, and, and this is the thing, and many Native uh, peoples, and, and not just North Dakota, but many territories, they don't even have s- street names, let alone house numbers. And and there's a variety of reasons. Some you know are valid reasons. Some uh, are just kind of a, a pushback against conformity. But there are many reasons for not wanting street signs uh, in your, on your territory or house numbers on your territory. That that idea of conforming to to what is the 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 system out there is uh, you know is, is somehow not necessarily embraced. It's crazy that you'll embrace the idea of voting in in an election, but you're not gonna you won't embrace the idea of having a house number. But of course, that some people have that choice. In other places, they simply have never never provided native territories the, the infrastructure to to provide street names and house numbers and and physical addresses so all those people who can't put a physical address down on their uh a physical residential address a legal physical residential address on a voter registration form are being denied the right to vote now of course you know my view on this thing my view on this thing is good (laughs) we shouldn't be voting in their elections anyway uh that's not exactly what everybody expects to hear uh from uh, especially from a, from a native activist but i this is the conversation that we've had here on the show before so we're going to revisit all the reasons not to vote again not the least of which is they don't really want our vote anyway and uh, you know, and in this situation i think we can actually spin this a little bit i think the whole idea is say north dakota you don't want us to vote that's fine we don't want to vote in your freaking elections anyway but you know what while you're stripping those voting rights away, let's strip some of the other stuff that you're imposing upon us. I mean, and, and I think I think you can play that. I think it's it, there's a, a, a PR play here, a strategic play. Um, and it may not necessarily result in major change. It probably just gets them to change their voter their, their voter rules. But uh, but but again, I think this is the, the again, this whole idea of, of establishing what our distinction is. It's it's kind of a you know, carry on from last, my last show, the us and them. There's no reason that they need to have our physical address on a voter registration form. And I'll get into what's problematic about that as, as I go through some of the list of the, of the reasons not to vote. But obviously, here's the first one. Our numbers are so small. We represent less than 1% of the, of the U.S. population. It's something like less than 7 tenths of 1%. And if you talk about those of us who live on native territories... You can cut that number in, in a half or maybe even only a third of that number. So now you're talking about only a couple of, per, you know, a couple of tenths of, of a percent of people living on a native territory in the overall population around us. So honestly, do you think Pine Ridge or Seneca Nation or, you know, Onondaga, any place like that, that the, vo- that the voter turnout is going to take a change in election? You know, and here's the other thing. <laughs> you know, we're in a unique situation a little bit here as, as Native people who are surrounded by New York because New York is a fair, you know, is pretty much a, it's a given. It's going to vote Democratic in the national contest. You know, of course, there are the, the, the congressional seats and, of course, the state seats and that kind of stuff um, where there are strong pockets of, of right-wing Republican, you know, strongholds, as they, as they call them. And, 
here in western New York, and, and in fact, if you get any place away from the big cities, you're going to find a, a fairly strong Republican base. I've said this before. If you go to any native territory, once you leave our territories, you are going to find Confederate flags flying up. You might even find a couple of Nazi flags flying up. I mean, on, on people's fence posts. I mean, it's, it's really right wing. You're going to find a whole lot of Trump lovers, you know, a whole lot of people, you know, you know, dogging anything even close to a Democrat. I mean, that's their politics. But we're surrounded in every in every place, including here in Seneca territory. You step off our territories, and you're going to find yourself in uh, in Republican strongholds. And it's not enough to change the whole state. But my point in all this stuff is that we aren't going to change those elections. I mean, and again, Seneca Nation, for, as an example. Seneca Nation, the, the total population is around uh, seven or 8,000 people. A fairly substantial portion of that, uh, that number doesn't even live on native territories. They're living in Buffalo or Niagara Falls or, you know, wherever. Um, or may, perhaps even living on another native territory. So by the time you talk about the population that's living on our territories here, you're maybe talking about, you know, you know four or 5,000 people. Now, that population is divided by Allegheny and, and Cattaraugus, two separate territories in two different counties. And oftentimes, well, actually, Cattaraugus actually uh, steps over to, if, if it were, if, if we follow the county lines as they want to draw them through our territories, which I reject, uh, we would be surrounded by Erie County, Cattaraugus County, and, and, uh, and Chautauqua County. So, if we accept the lines that the state tries to draw through our territories about legislative districts, the Seneca population would be sliced and diced into so many different districts they couldn't affect, a, you know, affect an election anyway. And of course, that's not to mention the fact that native the, the native vote isn't a singular voting block. It's not like all native people vote Democrat or Republican. Honestly, I don't know if you were to take a you know take a real poll across native territories you go to someplace like oklahoma i'm not sure how many how how strongly democratic that uh that native population would be even north dakota so as everybody's clamoring about oh we need to get out the vote because it you know if not they'll re-elect trump you know what there's a probably a good 50 percent of the native population if they voted they'd vote for that moron again I mean, we're kind of detached from all that stuff in many ways. So it's not like our people are the most aware. They aren't the most, you know, voter savvy, I would say. And, you know, frankly, we shouldn't be. It's not our elections, not our president, not our governors, not our, uh, you know, congressmen, not our senators, none of them. And that's where, you know, I, t- I say in the opening that we, we talk about identity, you know, talk about oppression, survival. You know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, the only way to, to fix the system is to do it from within. Look, we are such a small population, we're never going to affect any major change in any election. And then when you look at who the people that are up, I mean, think about North Dakota. There you go, North Dakota. What were the choices between a Republican and a Democrat in North Dakota? I mean, if your choice was Heidi Heitkamp or whoever the Republican is that beat her, I don't know. She was pro uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, as was the Democratic um, uh, nominee for uh, for the presidency, Hillary Clinton. She referred to these pipelines as federal infrastructure projects. 
not environmental catastrophes. So as a native person, who do you vote for that's gonna gonna you know represent any of our concerns? None of them. None of them represent our concerns. Can I remind people that Barack Obama is the one uh, who who advanced the Dakota Access Pipeline? Can I remind people that Barack Obama had a senior policy advisor in the White House, Jody Archambault-Gillette? And that's Dave Archambault's sister, who was the tribal chairman, who was, uh, you know, who was all cozy with Obama, even as they're running a pipeline, uh, you know, through Standing or near Standing Rock. So look, my point is, we don't affect their elections anyway. There's never going to be a situation where the native vote is going to turn a red state blue or a blue state red. It just isn't going to happen. We, we don't have the numbers. I mean, it, it's like a placebo. I'll tell people that, oh, yeah, you're in power. You get a chance to vote. Well, wait a second. So what are we fighting for? When we're talking about native sovereignty, what are we fighting for? What is that distinction in our autonomy? If we're going to go ahead, we're going to, what, self-assimilate by, by registering to vote in their elections? I posted um, uh, that 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 old meme about um, I just participated in in, uh, in my own oppression by by voting. I mean that. Look, if you vote for the, whoever, it, it, see, it doesn't even matter if the person you vote for wins. You validated the election. You know what? Every native person who voted, you participated in, in Donald Trump becoming the president. It doesn't matter that you, whether you voted for him or not. You validated the process. That crappy process, the Electoral College, the whole bit of it. If you voted, whoever won that election is your uh, is your president. Now, if you didn't vote, now you can say, "Look, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't vote for the uh, for the crappy opponent that, run, that ran against them or uh, or Donald Trump." And when I hear people say, "Well, if you voted for Hillary Clinton or if you didn't vote, then then you helped elect uh, um, Donald Trump," that's that's just plain BS. Simply not true. The system is flawed. So why should we participate in the system? So again, uh, the 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 irony of what what's taking place in in North Dakota is that while we won't assimilate enough to have house numbers and uh, you know and and street names, house addresses, we want to assimilate enough to vote in their elections in a place where a vote wouldn't even matter. I mean. And then when I hear people say, well, you know, uh, there's a few places where it could have swung the vote. Well, you show me the singular, the singularly few places where the native vote would have or did make a difference. And I'll, and I'll tell you, what you're not counting is how many people voted for the opponent, you know, or the, or the other side. Because I think that if you were to look at native territories, you're going to find there's just as many people on the left as there are on the right, even if you measure them by American electoral uh, uh, standards. And, and why? Because we just we simply don't communicate enough. We don't communicate well enough to to assert ourselves not only as a voting block. Forget about the voting block. We don't assert ourselves strong enough as a um, uh, you know as a special interest even because you don't have to vote. Martin Luther King was not a um uh a, a, an elected official uh, uh Malcolm X was not an elected official Rosa Parks was not an elected official you go through all the, the native people who who've been who are are, are recognizable i guess or are, are these iconic uh uh symbols of 
of, of you know, uh, resistance, I guess. Louis Hall wasn't elected. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you don't have to be an elected official to make change. In fact, I would say that when you become an elected official, you become part of the process. So, so why do that? I mean, and then who do you represent when you become an elected official? So this, I'm not just talking about the people who vote. I'm talking about people who run. So who does Deborah Halland uh, represent? She represents primarily white people. I mean, she can say, okay, I, I have you know concerns about Native people. But at the end of the day, if you when, when her tenure is all done and you look at all the stuff she voted for and all the stuff she advocated, you're going to find that she was, she was more just following the, the Democratic Party line. Sharice David, same thing. And, and let's not forget, every, and I keep seeing all these things, oh, these were the first Native people elected to Congress. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. They were the first Native women elected to con- uh, Congress. There have been Native uh, congressmen, and you know what? Almost all of them Republicans. In fact, there are there are, uh, I think there are two or three Native uh, or people at least, at least claim to be Native people um, ele- uh, who are in Congress that are that are Republicans today. So, Hallen and uh, and Davids aren't the only uh, only Native Congresspersons. They are the only two women, and they are the only two Democrats, I believe. But that they're not the only two. And why? Because there's plenty of Native people out there who are on the right side of the political spectrum. So, again, I can't I can't state it more strongly that our vote, and I know people don't like to hear this, our vote doesn't matter. We are too small a population to to affect any any major uh, race. And you know what? If we were if voting was so so important to us. We don't even vote that strongly in our own elections. I mean, to the extent that some of those exist. And even if they aren't elections, how active we are in our own local politics. How many people go down to Seneca Nation Council on a weekend, uh, uh, on a weekly basis or uh, uh, twice monthly? Unless they're giving away something, they don't show up. So, I mean, how engaged are we in, in, in any of our own politics, the, the stuff that really affects us? And And if you've got a somebody in your in your community who is a strong articulate a great voice of somebody who can bring people together bring minds together and, and rally the people and lead the people why the hell would you want them running for a state office or a federal office why would you want to lose that person to the white people I mean Paulette Jordan perfect example she was on uh, Coeur d'Alene uh, council um, then she ran for state office. Then she ran for the governorship. And, you know, she wasn't going to win the governorship, but we ended up losing somebody who could have been, who may have been a good voice for the, for, for the Coeur d'Alene uh, uh, people. But instead, you know, she, uh, she runs for governor of Idaho, I guess it was. And um, she, she loses and, and she lost badly. And of course she wasn't going to win. Idaho is the seventh whitest state in the, in the United States. They haven't had a Democrat uh, in the, as as a governor for almost thirty years. She wasn't going to win. So so why so 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 now she now she just kind of fades away and you know into the sunset here. If she was such a strong voice, then why didn't she do the work for the Coeur d'Alene? Why did she? Because you know if she got elected, you know how she the only way she was going to get elected was if white people voted for her, because. 
You know how Deborah Holland got elected? White people voted for her. You know how Sharice David got elected? White people voted for her. So who do they represent when they get in those offices? They don't represent us. I mean, again, they become part of that system of oppression. The idea of pulling us in. Oh, yeah, I'm your congressman. No, not my congresswoman. Woman or man, you're not mine. Not my president, not my governor, not my senator, not my congressman. And, you know, so this is this is what I call self-imposed assimilation. And the three greatest examples of it are enlisting in the armed forces because you are giving your body and, and in some cases your, your life or a commitment for your life to the military industrial complex of the United States. I mean, there is no more ultimate sacrifice of yourself to assimilation than than joining the military. And 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 I say that today. Now, I understand that people have a, 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 a many ways of of justifying, you know, past conflicts and you know people who who served in, you know, World War 1, World War 2, you know, Korea, Vietnam, uh, I mean, they all come up with their their own ways to justify it. And 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 many of people say, well, ww2 was the last good war good war really we're gonna call a war a good war i mean do you realize how many japanese were murdered not just i'm not talking about soldiers i mean atomic bombs dropped on two japanese cities don't tell me how good world war ii was you know so, so again so enlisting is is one of the one of the the almost the ultimate in in assimilation because you are giving yourself and allowing yourself to be a tool or a pawn in the U.S. military industrial complex. The other two are either running for office or voting because there's no requirement for us to vote in their, their elections. And it's not like we there's, any, there's no upside to it. But there is downside. There is downside to, to voting. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit. But, but, but again, let me reiterate. There's no upside. Because even if we uh, vote and the candidate we voted for wins, the number of votes that we gave to that candidate are so small that they have no obligation to us. We didn't earn some sort of cred with them. They're not going to come back through, oh, man, I'm sure glad we got that native vote. Let's take care of those folks. I mean, there, there's no obligation. I mean, and, and you know, we don't represent a large enough voting block to, to have sway. You know, and that's why... We we spend probably billions, you know, certainly millions, but probably billions in lobbying. If you added up all of our native territories, our vote doesn't matter anything. Do our lobbying dollars? Well, we can even argue about how much of a waste that is, because for all the millions and millions of dollars that gaming tribes and um, you know mining tribes and uh, gas tribes and oil tribes and all these tourist drive no matter how many millions of dollars they spend in lobbying their opponents are spending more their, their, their opponents are spending more doesn't matter how much we we spend to lobby for environmental reform or for protections or anything else stuff our opponents are spending more money so even that's a waste but you know that has more impact than than the the pitiful amount of people who vote in their elections do and of course running for office I, you know as, as i said 
you know, Deborah Haaland isn't going to change things for Indian country. And nor is, is, is Sharice David. And, and if they if they had a strong value as politicians, they could have represented their people in the in the communities that they come from. I mean, that's what I say, you know, about Paulette Jordan or anybody else. If you think that no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run for uh for tribal council. I'm not gonna you know, serve my people. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to become a state representative or I'm going to become a federal representative. Then you just bailed on your people. And don't give me this crap that you're going to, you're going to go to the, the state capitol and you're going to change things for Native people or you're going to go to Washington and change things for Native people. Come on. All right. We're almost at the bottom of the hour, so I'm not going to get into it. I won't get into it just yet on, on what the downside is. But there is downside. And I want people to understand what that downside is. But before I get there, <clears throat> one of the debates, and, and I was engaged in a, with a few people on, on Facebook over this subject because the story ran about this uh, um, this Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals upholding North Dakota's right to strip voting rights away from Native people. And, um, and, and again, I posted my comment. I said, good, we shouldn't be voting their elections anyway. And then, you know, you get it, some people, well, you know, they are all Americans. Said, well, wait a second, wait a second. First thing, Let's talk about the citizenship thing. Because just because they passed a, the state, the, the, the Congress, the Senate and the House passed a resolution in 1924 declaring that we, we are or could be uh, uh, U.S. citizens doesn't mean that we are. We have a choice in the matter. They can't strip our, our nationality away. They can't strip our, you know, that away from us because, honestly, that's a war crime. And I'm not saying that because, because John Cain says that's not an opinion. I mean, the international community de- determined coming out of World War One that the whole idea of stripping away the national character of a people and imposing another national character upon them, that uh, the international community said that's a war crime. Now, they weren't talking about us, of course, but what they're actually talking about is exactly what our people have been going through. So that was in like 1913 that they that they they started having this conversation. In 1924, when the United States says, "Oh, we're going to declare all Native people are U.S. citizens," wait a second, we have a choice in this matter. And in fact, when draft notices started going out for World War II, the Six Nations say, "Oh, hell no, you can't draft us. We're not U.S. citizens." I said, "Oh no, we passed that law back in 1924. Hey, that doesn't apply to us. We didn't agree to that. <laughs> I mean, we went through this kind of." you know, almost silly or extraordinary, depending on how you want to uh, view it, step of uh, having the Six Nations go and declare uh, war against the Axis of uh, the um, the Axis powers, meaning uh, uh, Italy, um, uh, Jap- Japan, and, and, and Nazi Germany. And so we did that almost to justify our involvement in, in, in those wars. But uh, but no, we, we said, no, you can't draft us. In fact, that's still the debate, whether they can whether our 18-year-olds are required to register for the draft. But just because they passed the law doesn't make it so. And and that's the other thing I'll talk about in the second half of the show is anybody who thinks, well, if you got a driver's license, that means you're a U.S. citizen. No, it doesn't. There are plenty of people who aren't U.S. citizens that have driver's licenses. Social Security number, same thing. Even a birth certificate. A birth certificate may be a document you can use to prove that you're a U.S. citizen, if you are a U- if you claim to be a U.S. citizen, so a certificate of birth 
and that location of where you're birthed, that entitles you to uh, to U.S. citizenship, but that doesn't make you one, especially if you're Native and you have your own distinct identity and nationality or cultural identity. You don't have to accept that, and you can. So, I mean, I want, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that we can't be U.S. citizens. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be able to vote. I'm saying we shouldn't vote. We're at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'll talk about more. I'll talk about the downside of it because that's what's being missed in some of this. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native.
All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And again, we are uh, we're here at August eighteenth. We're on a special Sunday night. Um, I don't. I'm not asking for forgiveness because last night I went out with my wife. We uh, we went to a concert last night. So uh, uh, and it is this week. It, it, our anniversary is on Wednesday. So our, this is our anniversary week. And for those of you who like myself, been married for as long as I've been married. Um, you better do more than just uh, you know buy a card for your anniversary. Otherwise, you're going to be in major doghouse problems. So anyway, this is this is my anniversary week. So we kicked it off by going to a concert last night. So um, we moved the moved the show date to today. All right, hey, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Let's Talk Native. Um, our, our thank our sponsors for Let's Talk Native, uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. Um, Eric White in ERW Enterprises. I want to thank the. Uh, I got an anonymous donor in there too, but I got also a thank of a few individuals who, from time to time, make a contribution. And I want to thank those of you who listen to the show, those those of you who join me on the show. I want to thank those of you who uh, who share the program. Whether you you like my wife, share uh, share the show on Facebook uh, group pages as we do the Facebook live stream, or whether you share the podcast, the YouTube video, or, or whatever. And I do again want to strongly encourage people to to sign up to our YouTube channel. Where I think we're sitting at about, I don't know, 390 uh, subscribers. We'd like to bump that up over 400 and get that moving. So, uh, again, uh, I want to thank those of you who do and thank those of you who are subscribed and encourage more of you to do the same. Um, and, look, I also want to thank those of you who contribute with comments. And, and I during the break, I get a chance to look through some of the comments. And I do want to say that um, uh, the comment about uh, the, a P.O. box. The P.O. box is exactly what this whole case is about because that's what most of the folks um, on uh, these native territories use for their mailing address. A mailing address is not a residence, uh, is not a physical address. And so what North Dakota is uh, is insisting is that if you don't put a physical address down, then uh, your voter registration form will not be approved. So, um, and this gets to the, to one of the downsides of voting. I mean, and, and there are, there are more than just one, but, the land is one of the issues. I mean, as I live here with my uh, with my Seneca brothers and sisters here, I would never assume that uh, or, or be presumptuous enough to say that this land is a part of New York State or the United States. And and in fact, I insist the other. And why? I base that opinion on the facts that are listed in, in treaties like. The Canandaigua Treaty. Even though I'm not a big fan of the Canandaigua Treaty, the United States said clearly, the land is yours and we will never claim the same. Well, never means never. And there's never been anything that changed. And and don't even bring up the, the, the Citizenship Act again, but there's never been anything in the relation between Seneca's and New York State or the United States to say, oh, that, that, that land is now part of the United States. Since when? It wasn't in 1794, and it wasn't, you know, through most of the the 18th and 19th century until all of a sudden there's this effort to, to say, oh yeah, there uh, they are our people now. Well, wait a minute, when did that happen? And and even if you're going to try to claim native people as subjugated U.S. citizens, where is the event? Where is the document? Where is something that suggests the land became part of New York State or the United States? Because if you vote and you register to vote, you need to put your address down. Now, in North Dakota, they're making it very clear. If you don't put your physical address, we're rejecting your voter registration. 
I'm not saying that your voter registration would be rejected, say, in, in New York or in some of these other states. But you know what? They're still asking you to put your address down. Whether they would kick your, your voter registration or not, is it, I, I don't know. But if you fill out your voter registration form and you put that you live on the Cattaraugus Territory of Seneca Nation, do you realize what you said? What you said is that where you live on Seneca land is part of New York State because the states run the elections. So you're saying something that we've been we, that we've been saying otherwise all this time. So in order to vote, you list your address as part uh, as part of the the, the state um, uh, divisions of of, of electoral um, uh, legislative legislative districts. So that's what you've done. Now, I'm not saying that if if I filled out a voter registration that I somehow have the authority to make Cattaraugus part of New York State. But look at the trend. If more, if more and more of us did it, when does that come back on us? When does at some point the state say, wait a second, all your people, you guys believe, you guys know you're part of New York State. We've got all these voter registration forms. And why is North Dakota insisting? Why isn't a P.O. box good enough in North Dakota? Why is it that they want the physical address? Why would that even matter? Why, and why, why couldn't they use their, their band or their, their tribal council headquarters for an address? Why can't they just put that it's, you know, whatever native territory they're from? Why isn't that good enough? There has to be a reason. And, and, and again, I read the article. And, and they said, well, like, this is more about a loss or, you know, uh, an insufficient um, infrastructure than it is about voter suppression. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll bite a little bit on that because we don't represent a large enough vote to even be the target of voter suppression. So there's something else. What is it that, that any state, North Dakota or any state, what is in their interest if all of us Native people now list our homes as part of a, a part of the state? I mean, if you don't see this as, as a problem, then you're just not understanding what it is, what the battle for autonomy and distinction and sovereignty is all about. Because we aren't a big, we aren't a sizable enough people to be the targets of voters. We're not going to swing an election one way or the other. And, and and nobody really is targeting us, you know, for, you know, to, to uh, achieve our vote. Look, I, there's an awful lot of band councils, tribal councils, you know, uh, tribal headquarters that you know sign up to oh get out the vote you know why because they get grant money they get a bunch of money from the the you know the the, the parties to encourage voter registration look they're our votes don't, don't matter but the downside is that we're listing our lands and and again i can't speak for every other native territory but what i do know about where i live here this land is not considered part of new york state New York State can claim it; it is, and the federal government can claim it is, but they have no legal standing to say otherwise. Or, I mean, to, to say that that's true. Again, just like we have a choice on, on whether we we consider ourselves U.S. citizens, there could be a choice be made on whether we consider our land, or in, in this case, Seneca land, part of the state. Now, I'm not saying it can get transferred as a result of voter registration, but it's a bad. That, that's a bad precedent there.
So we end up acknowledging their right to put their lines through our territories, not just county lines and town lines, which are problematic enough. But when that Congress says, oh, I remember, in fact, let me back up. I remember trying to get a hold of um, a couple of congressmen uh, in the past. I was fighting over the floor tax issue. It took me 40 minutes just to get to a conversation with their their gatekeepers because they said, well, are you in are you um, uh, in our district? And I said, no, I live on the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. They said, well, our district includes part of the Cattaraugus. I said, no, it doesn't. I said, your lines stop when they get to it. So, no, I'm not. You're not my congressman. I'm not saying that. But you are a congressman, and your actions affect what we do. So I'm not going to pretend that these congressmen, these state legislators, and these governors, and these presidents, I'm not saying that they don't affect us. I'm saying that they're not ours. So we lose this whole um, argument about our sovereignty, about our autonomy and our distinction. If they represent us, if they are our congressman and our senator, if they are our governor, don't you understand the, the, uh, how much that hurts us in, in our arguments with these guys? We are stronger as a distinct people because we are nothing but a pimple on the butt of a mosquito in, uh, in, their, um, in their system. In their system, we are insignificant. In ours, we, we control our destiny. So to those of you who say, well, the best way to fight them is to fight them from the inside. Like hell it is. There's no way to fight them from the inside. But here's what we can do. Because look, I, you know, one of the things that get brought up to me was, well, isn't doesn't Elizabeth Warren have a, uh, a, a, a native platform, a specific native platform? Yes, she does. And how do I feel about that? I'm glad she does. They all should. Now, but they, they shouldn't... I mean, nobody should be delusional enough to think that the reason to have a native platform is because our vote is so important. I'll tell you the reason to have a native platform. Because of all the injustices that exist for black people and, and uh, immigrants and uh, refugees seeking asylum and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Latina, Latinx, Latino, um, you know, uh, Muslim Americans, you know, people who are not, you know, atheists uh, gay people well, of, of all those people of all of the, the 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 various oppressed peoples in the united states we are the low-hanging fruit we're the easiest ones to i mean people talk about reparations we're, we're talking about a, a population that is small and spread out we're over over so many areas we would be the easiest people to pursue real justice with you know, and in most societies, and I'm not the one who invented this, but it, it, it has been said that a society should be judged by how the most marginalized people are treated in that society. I mean, it's easy to take care of the, the, the majority, the, the squeaky wheels. It's easy to take care of them. It's easy to, to cater to, to the rich people, the people with power. But how do you deal with the most marginalized people? Native people, handicapped people. You know, you want to break people down to, to, to small groups. How do you deal with the people who are who are the most oppressed, overlooked? I mean, how do you how you deal with those people? 
That's a measure of the, of your, the true integrity of your society. So not only are we a people that um, the United States could be measured if, by if they ever did the right thing by us, but we're the easiest one for the ones to do right by us. I mean, look, the United States has clearly benefited from you know the the lands that they that they screwed us out of. You know the 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 amount of people they killed, our our population that they you know that, that they destroyed. There's all kinds of reasons for reparations, all kinds of reasons for the United States to do right by us. And there's all kinds of just financial justification. And we're the lowest hanging fruit. So by all means, they should all have a have a platform on native issues. You know, and but again, it's not because we're going to get them elected. It's because it shows it says something about your integrity. Even if <laughs> It's even if it's a bit of a PR stunt. Oh yeah, I care about native people. I love their culture. Even if, it, if it's a bit, a bit of a PR, PR stunt, it still says something about your integrity as it relates to to real justice, real equality. And I don't mean equality in terms of Americans. I'm I'm talking about life, human beings, because native people have have never gotten a fair shake from the United States or its predecessors. Never. I mean, even when you, you no matter what part of history you look at where where maybe even a kind word or two were, were expressed, they're usually loaded somehow. I mean, even Brett, Ben Franklin as he's, as he's trying to say, you know, look at the, you know, this unique union that the six nations or the five nations, six nations put together and how it seems to have been able to withstand the ages. You know what he calls it? He calls it ignorant savages. Even a group of ignorant savages could put together a union that seems indissolvable. I mean, so even even when when we when a compliment is paid, it's like it, it's an insult. So it it, it really has to be um, encouraged that these guys have it. I mean, look. Barack Obama was not a good president for Native people. I'm sorry. I'm you know I know everybody wants to say oh Obama he was the best. Dakota Access Pipeline, even the uh, you know um, the Keystone XL Pipeline, most of that was done during his watch. Now he didn't necessarily approve it, but it all got built anyway. It, it, it he didn't do anything to stop any of those pipelines. The only thing he didn't approve was the final connection between on the across the, the US Canadian border. And then Trump did that. So all of these things that people think that, that Obama was such a good president for, most of it it wasn't true. I mean he deported lots of people, he you know killed lots of people with drone strikes, he did all kinds of stuff. But he he wasn't that great a president for I mean, he he seemed like a decent father, decent husband. He doesn't have the the you know the character flaws that the moron in the White House now has. But, I mean, he set the stage for, for Trump to, to finish what got started during his administration, both positive and negative. So none of these guys are going to do, are really going to do our bidding. And so as Elizabeth Warren puts together, uh, you know, this uh, this platform, and she's not the only one. Bernie Sanders has had some, some positive things to say, you know, to and, you know, about Native people. And honestly, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not voting in those elections, 
and I'm not endorsing any candidates, but I will say that that privately, I have my preferences who I'd like to see win. And not because I agree with them on everything. I don't. But there's there are some people that I think are worse than others. And I think there are some people who have great, you know, you know, that do have integrity, although I don't agree with them. And, you know, and, and issues related to, you know, Venezuela and Palestine and I'm gonna, these are the areas that I'm always going to be at odds because they, they all seem to be in the wrong position on most of that stuff. But if you, if you think, you know, one of the things that, uh, that Warren is, was pitching was a, a cabinet level position for, you know, for Native American affairs. Look. Obama had a um, a a senior policy advisor in uh, Kimberly Teehee and then uh, Jody Archambault Gillette, and nothing positive happened. Even even when 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 Obama said things like, "Look, I'm issuing an executive order that any decisions made by the, an executive branch, uh, the executive branch agency or department that has tribal implications." that we must have consult- consultations with the tribes first. And then they didn't do it. So it didn't matter that you had the executive order. And what he said is, any policy decision. I got into it pretty good with, in fact, with, with Jody Gillette, r- right in Washington, down at the White House. Got it, got into it pretty pretty good with her over the, the floor tax. And the floor tax was a tax that the... Um, uh, when they wanted to pass children's health insurance uh, um, renewal, it was a thing called CHIPRA, Children's Health Insurance uh, Reauthorization Act. Um, this uh, required the Republicans said, "Well, you got to figure out how to pay for it." So they so they jacked up the the federal excise tax on tobacco. But at the tail end of that that law, what they said is they were going to institute a floor tax. So if you had product sitting on your floor, meaning if you were a a bonded warehouse or a, a cigarette manufacturer or whatever else. If you had a bunch of products sitting on your floor, floor that was um, that was cleared through uh, the ex- federal excise tax process, paid the old tax, but had not been sold yet, we're going to assess you the the tax increase. Well, they actually tried to do that to us. Uh, the smoke shops, right here on the territory. The Seneca Nation actually got hit with, hit with this thing. So they tried to assess a tax on us after the fact, after we'd already purchased the product because they were sitting on store shelves, not just warehouse shelves, but store shelves. So I went down and I, uh, I talked to, to Jody Gillette at the White House with, uh, with Ross John and Dakota Snyder. After having met with the, uh, the, um, the congressman's office in the area, Ryan Higgins, and the, the office of uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, I said, look, did you guys plan for this to happen? They said, oh, no, no, this wasn't supposed to affect you guys. There was no legislative intent for this tax to affect you. So I went there and I talked to Jody Gillette and, uh, and, and assured her, or assured her that if she checked with Higgins and Gillibrand or any of the other senators, that she would find there was no legislative intent for this, uh, uh, tax to be imposed upon us. So it was a policy decision. Now, nobody paid the tax except for the Seneca Nation, which actually got $230,000 seized from an account. I mean, hardly anybody. A few people did. Even here, a few people did. But most people never paid it. It just quietly went away. But they never would come clean and say, you know what? We're, 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 we're not going to do this. They just didn't enforce it. And, but to tell the, the exchange really was, well, we're not sure that's a policy decision. What do you mean it's not a policy decision? By definition, that's a policy decision. 
and there was no consultation. So again, and I say all of this stuff, and I and I reiterate this story because if you think the next elected president, regardless of party, is going to um, all of a sudden give us some some huge consideration, some time, you know, some conversation. Because let's keep in mind, the international standard for policies that affect Native people is that a free, prior, and informed consent, free, prior, and informed consent is accomplished. That's the international standard. And that's the minimum standard. Not a mere consultation, not just, oh, yeah, we met with them uh, and uh, we heard them out and then we checked the box and then we went ahead and did what we were going to do anyway. That's the U.S. policy. Well, at least it was under Obama. That doesn't even exist for Trump. And the next president, if, if they're a Democrat, they may pander to us a little bit. But at the end of the day, we need to have not a congressman, not a cabinet-level position, if the Seneca Nation needs to uh, needs to meet with the uh, the White House, they should be able to meet with somebody from the White House. They should be able to uh, to to make clear what their what their issues are. We have lost statesmanship because the system is so rigged that it doesn't allow us to even participate in it. Now, how did John Cain and Ross John and Dakota Snyder get a meeting with Joe with 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 Jody July? It wasn't easy. We had to do a whole bunch of backdoor dealing to, to make that happen. Because we even, we even got the, uh, uh, the, the congressman and the senator to back away from, from pushing for such a meeting. So, yeah, I, I don't need another Jody Gillette. I don't need a cabinet-level position. You know, Elizabeth Warren, if you give a rat's ass about, uh, about Native people, then make, make time for, for Native people. Don't make a position, because that position is going to be like a Echo Hawk, some guy who's you know, uh, you know, who's already assimilated, who isn't going to when you, when we meet with some of these guys, these these iconic individuals in Indian country, Suzanne Harjo and people like that. You know what they say? Oh no, we should all be voting it. We're we're Americans. You can't even hear us when we say that we're not Americans. Now, I do want to go back to the beginning of the show because while I, it is my opinion that we should not vote in American elections. It is my opinion that when they passed this law in 1924 declaring us U.S. citizens, that that wasn't the the definitive act. The definitive act has to come from us. Now, it's my opinion, but it's my opinion based on facts. They can't just make us no longer be citizens of Mohawk Nation, Seneca Nation, and I don't even like to use those words, but they, de- they can't declare us citizens unless we declare we want to be U.S. citizens. And whether we carry a driver's license, you know, whether we, you know, go to college or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever people think is, a, is an act of assimilation. Assimilation is when you say, no, I'm changing my identity. And my identity is now I'm a U.S. citizen. So the idea of forcing us to get a passport to travel, that should be considered a a a, a, um, uh, a war crime. That's more of that denationalization, telling us we can't we can't 
produce our own travel documents to you know to travel and if you don't agree with this stuff you're you cannot agree with it but you can't disagree with the facts you can disagree with my opinion it's my opinion we shouldn't vote in their elections it's my opinion that that you know that based on the numbers that are that our votes don't really matter and and I'm sure somebody can come up with one of those one case where where the native vote may have swung a vote one way or the other. But you know what? If it did, that person was probably so centrist in the first place to get elected anyway that it wasn't going to be be a big policy change anyway. And what difference does it make? What difference would it have made if North Dakota got Heidi Heitkamp elected again? Think Dakota Access Pipeline wasn't going to get finished? Come on. But we have a choice and and i and i realize that many native people have chosen i look i can drive down through cataraugus here and see plenty of american flags flying out in the front yards on the mailboxes not just during holidays <laughs> every single day so i get it i i you know I'm, and i don't begrudge or hate or dislike you know people who served in the armed forces or who vote in those elections I just think that this this conversation needs to be heard. That there's a different way to look at it, the whole thing. I think it's important that our children not be lulled into the romanticizing of serving in the armed forces. And I think that we should not be selling ourselves our lands out or ourselves out by voting in the, in their meaningless elections. I mean, can I remind people that that you know Clinton had like two almost. Three million more votes than Donald Trump and still didn't get elected. I mean, the system's a bit of a sham, folks. I have my preferences on who who I'd like to see win this next one, but that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna endorse anybody and I'm not gonna vote for anybody. I would be willing to have a conversation with any of them. I'd like to ask some tough questions, and I'm not just talking about Leonard Peltier. I'd like to ask some tough questions about about our identity. How many how, are do any of them are any of them prepared to to respect the fact that that we reject U.S. citizenship? And what would that relationship look like between us as Native people, as Ungwe and the American government if we're not U.S. citizens? Because we haven't been, we haven't been, you know, even not not since nineteen twenty four. Even after nineteen twenty four, we still weren't. That's why they keep trying to pass new laws to say so. I mean, look, they they passed the Fourteenth Amendment that didn't turn us into U.S. citizens. They passed the Indian Citizenship Act that didn't turn us into U.S. citizens. They passed the the Indian Reorganization Act and that didn't turn us into U.S. citizens. How do I know? Because you can find them saying, "Well, we're not sure if they if Native people were under jur- U.S. jurisdiction in 1934." Well, clearly your laws didn't place us under you. You admit it. In fact, you use that as a reason not to. Uh, to prevent us from from acquiring lost lands. Anyway, folks, I you know, look. It is that season where you know we're, we're going to get back into the next election cycle. You know, as the the, the race for the White House and, and the the elections all take place in 2020, we're we're beginning that cycle. Native people are going to be courted. We're already hearing about the possibility of a, of, of some sort of debate or, or forum. Um, you know, a uh, native uh, being put up by native people to have. These these uh, presidential candidates, Democratic candidates, come in to talk about um, native policy. L- look, let's let's have the conversations. 
Let's let them know where we stand. But let's not, you know, this isn't about whether we vote for them or not. And let's not get lulled into it. If you vote, you vote. If you think you're an American and you, you, you claim American citizenship, then that's fine. But that doesn't mean that we all do. And you can't say because you made that decision that I don't have that choice anymore or because I have a driver's license, I don't have that choice anymore. It's absurd. So anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back here uh, on, on Tuesday, and uh, we'll we'll see what pops up by then. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll see you then. Thank you. Yahweh.